0: In Pashat Beshalach, Klai Yisrael embark on a journey, a journey into an uninhabitable wilderness, a journey into a desert, where the basic conditions which are necessary for people to survive are missing, It's a journey into a desert where there is no food or water, a desert populated by snakes and scorpions. And therefore, in order for Kla Yisrael to survive in the midbar, they need not just one, but a series of different Nisim to take place to enable them to live for 40 years in the desert. First, Nisuk's Pasha brings in the Anana covered. The clouds which surround them protect them from enemies, as it did from its rhyme protect them from the heat, protect them from snakes and scorpions, and therefore they, so to speak, they in a safe environment. And then later on in the parasha, we read about the man, in the land where they was unable to grow cr- crops, Although this miracle sends down food for them every day in a miraculous fashion. And then towards the end of the parasha, we find that they don't have water to drink. And the miraculously of the organizers that water should gush forth from a rock. A rock which would be transported with them. The bear of Miriam. And they were accompanied by these three Nessim for 40 years. Throughout the time they were in the desert. They were protected by the clouds. They were sustained by the man. And they had water from the bear of Miriam. The Gemara in Tainis tells us a story. Rav Yitzchak came to visit another Amar, I think it was Rav Nachman. And when he's ready to leave, Nachman asks him for a bracha. And instead of giving him a bracha directly, he says, first, I want to tell you a mashal. A mashal to a traveler who's wandering in the desert." And he's hungry, and he's thirsty and he's tired. But the desert there's no food or water, there's no place to rest. And then he chances upon an oasis. He finds a tree. A tree with plentiful fruit, with abundant shade, and with a stream of fresh water running by it. And the weary traveller makes full use. Of what he's found, and he sustains himself from the fruit, quenches his thirst from the water, and he rests in the shade of the leaves. And when the time comes him to continue his va- his jo- journey, his voyage, he turns to the tree and he says, Elon, Elon, Tree, oh tree, what can I bless you with? That your fruit should be sweet. You already have that. You should have pleasant shades. You already have that as well. There should be a stream of water which flows by, so to speak, to give uh, water, to give nutrients to the tree. So the tree is everything a tree could possibly be. So what can he bless the tree with? And all the saplings which grow from your seeds, future generations of trees, they should be like you. And same thing says Rav Yitzchak, What should I bless you with? If you, For Torah, you have Torah. For Gedullah, you have Gedullah. For Maysim, you have Maysim and the bracha gives him that all your children should grow up to be like you. Reb was the Rosh Hashiva, he was the Avbeistin, he was the son of the the Rosh Qadosa, and therefore the bracha, which was appropriate for him, that his descendants should be like him as well. Now if we think about the story, that traveler in the Midbar was Klai Yisrael. Klai were travelers in the Midbar. And Klai were hungry, and Klai were thirsty, and Klai lacked shade. And the Nisim he spoke about provided these three things. The man provided the food, the bear provided the water, and the anonim, the clouds of glory, provided the shade. It's true that what Nisim Hashem gave us to enable us to survive in the Midbar, but we know they came b'schus three tzedekim. One came with ma'echerah benu, and then he with Aaron, and the bear b'schus Miriam. Now, let's look at the Gemara. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, on the Fafaf of Mubay says, B'yei there were three mitzvahs that Klai Yisrael were instructed to do when they were coming to Eretz Yisrael to appoint a king, to destroy Amalek and to build the base of The Gemara there says and I still don't know which one is meant to come first and therefore it brings the Pasuk at the end of the 6th parasha. And it says, Kiyod There's a hand against the throne of Hashem, as long as there's a Milcham Hashem by As long as there's still a state of war between Hashem and Malik before Malik is destroyed, Rashi tells us, Hashem's throne will not be complete. And being as the king's throne here, is a manifestation of the throne of Hashem, so the Gemara deduces from that that the king has to come first, and then the Gemara asks, when did when do we do the building of the Beit Hamikdash? And the Gemara says, we see by David Melech that was only after Hashem gave him peace from all his enemies, then David's ter- thoughts turned to building the Beit Hamikdash. So we see the time to build the Beit Hamikdash is only after. The wars against the enemies of Hashem have been fought and won. The Mefarshim ask a question: If we're going to prove the order of the mitzvahs from what happened historically, then we can see Shaul the was appointed before he, there was an instruction to destroy a So why does the pasuk need to? Why does the Gemara need to look to the pasuk? Ki al case ka that there's a hand against the throne of Hashem to prove that the throne of uh, of a king is established before a monarch is defeated. Why not also prove it from the historical narrative? And I saw another question which is asked by the Zereshimshan. And that is, it's not the way of Chazal normally to pose questions when they have a clear answer. And therefore, what Yosem should have said, is there three mitzvahs the Jewish people are instructed when they come into Israel? The first one is to appoint a king, the second one is to destroy Amalek, and the third is to build the base of Mikdash. And we can bring the proofs from the Psukkah. Why does the Gemara say by dying any is like a question. I'm not sure which one's meant to come first. So let me suggest an answer to that question first. And that is, what was the doubt of the Tanah? What was the suffix as to what's meant to come first? Destroying a Amalek or appointing a king? And I think the answer to that is, because it's true, King Sheol was appointed before the instruction to destroy malek came. But King Sheol wasn't really meant to be the long-term king. We know Malchus belongs to Shevet Yehuda, and therefore the king which was meant to be the king of Klai Yisrael, had to be from the house of David. And if that's the case, it's true that Shal was appointed as a king before Melchizedek Samalek. and after that David was appointed as a king. And therefore, when we say that the mitzvah to appoint a king, are we referring to King Shal who was appointed before the intention or the instruction to destroy Malik? Are we talking about David who was only appointed afterwards? And if that's the case, what's the Gemara's answer? Why was Shoal appointed? So we have a Chazal, it's a Gemara of and Kuf, and Bes, And the Gemara there says that the Amalek will only be destroyed by a descendant of Yosef, or some says a descendant of Rachel. And therefore, shows is from Binyamin, the descendant of Rachel was instructed enabled to f- fulfill the mission of destroying Amalek just like in this week's parasha Yahshua sure was chosen to lead the war against Amalek Yahshua Shabit Yosef and what would have been had Shul fulfilled Hashem's instruction and destroyed Malek? the Ramban tells us the long-term king of Klai Yisrael would still have to have been from Shevet Yehuda. There would have been a secondary king, perhaps a viceroy, which would have been a descendant of Sheol, similar to Mordechai, who was the second in command, the prime minister, if you want, in Anderah, the king of Ashverish. So yes, the kingship of Klai Yisrael belongs to Yehuda, but it was necessary to have appoint someone as a king, a descendant of Rachel, to be given the job of destroying Amalek. And that's how he brought the Pasuk. Because historically there was two kings. There was, the, there was the kingship of Shul before and the kingship of David afterwards. But we're proving from the Pasuk, is that there's the Keseh of Hashem, The throne, which is manifested here by the throne of a king, has to fight the Moloch. But perhaps you can say more than that. The throne which fights the Moloch is an incomplete throne. It's not the kisei. It's not the full throne. It's the case. And therefore, the king which will be established first to fight the Moloch will be an incomplete kingship. Because just as... We find that as long as a Molech exists, Hashem's throne is not complete. So, until a is defeated, so to speak, the kingship is also not complete. Now, there's a Talmud of the Talmud of the Rizal, his name was Rav Nosson Shapira. And he writes us various allusions, Ramazim, which we need to understand and think about. And he has a very enigmatic illusion on this topic. He writes that the three mitzvahs which Klai had to fulfill when they came into let's go through them again. Melech to make a king. Amalek to defeat Amalek and Beis Amikdash, to build a Beis Amikdash. He says the first letters of those three words are a mem and an ayin and a base. And he says similarly, the three, so to speak, nisim, that we had in the midbar were the mon with a mem, the anana yaqob with an ayin, and the bear miriam with a base. So we see already there's a connection between the three miracles which sustain the Jewish people in the desert, and the three mitzvahs incumbent upon us to do when you come into Eretz What's the connection? So let's go back to what we said before. There were three tzaddikim in whose merits we were zeiched to those three, to those three miracles in the midbar. The first one was Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the leader he was the Melech and the function of the Melech is to provide for his people and therefore Moshe was responsible for bringing down the Mon and the responsibility Ka Israel had after that was to appoint a Melech his job would be to take care of Klai the second was Aaron Akoyin. Aaron O'Koen was responsible for the protection of Kli Those were the Ananei and the reflection of that was destroying Amalek, destroying the enemy of Kli And the third was the bear of Miriam. Now, if we go back for a second to the marshal we spoke about, the traveler who praises the tree, and he says, Your fruit are plentiful, and your shade is nigh. No. Those are compliments of the tree. To say that there's a stream of water flowing by the tree is not a compliment of the tree. It's something the tree needs. And in a similar sense, the bear of Miriam was in our, our ability, so to speak, to be blessed with whatever we needed. We needed the water that came to us through the bear of Miriam. It was a source through which the brach of Hashem could flow. The Rambananites in the Pasuk, we know Be'er Besada, there was a well in the fields referring to the Be'er of Mikdash, that the base of Mikdash also served as a conduit through which the divine Shefok could flow. Now, why was it like that? Because we know Moshe was the one who gave us the Torah. In that sense, he was the Shlich of Hashem. The Shlich of the Melech. And therefore, together with the Torah came down the Koyach of sustenance for Yisrael. That's what we're living from. We had to, we had the mitzvah to to Israel to represent that by making a king. would likewise, be in charge of enforcing the Torah, and we be in charge of bringing down the shefa, so to speak, the assassins of Eretz Aaron and as we know, was the Amudah Avoida. The Avodah, which brought down the Shkhinna, which protects Klai That is Ananiyah And therefore, the Mitzvah we had in, in coming to Israel, which provided for Klai protection, was to destroy our arch enemy Amalek. And lastly, Miriam represented Miras Chasadim. From her own youth, as a little girl who was one of the midwives of Mitzrayim, Miriam showed mysterious nefesh for Gemirah's chassadim, and as a result, through her comes the Shefa of HaKadosh Baruch goodness to us, which is represented by the Be'er, and later by the Be'es HaMikdash. So, Clay Yisrael's obligations in to Yisrael, represent, so to speak, the same qualities which we were blessed with in the Midbar. Where in the Midbar we had the tree. and of We had Moshe and Aaron and Miriam. Our instruction later on was that all the saplings should be like them, that we should recreate, so to speak, or find people. To be able to fulfill those same duties in the future. And this is Shippur, another interesting thing. He says, we know that after Aaron died, the Nana covered left, but they returned to Moshe. After Miriam died, the bear left and also came back with Moshe. Moshe, so to speak, in the end assumed all three functions. And that's why he says Moshe's full name, Moshe, Ben, Amram, is also a mem, a base, and a ayin, which is also the Rosh Hatabas we said before of these three brachas the Man, the beer, and the anonim. And Let's look at one more thing. The Gemara Sanhedrin asks, What's the name of Sheikh going to be? There are a number of suggestions from different schools of Amaraim. And the Gemara says there's one opinion that his name will be Shiloh. And there's one opinion that his name will be Yinnon. And there's one opinion that his name will be Cheskia. And there's one opinion that his name will be Menachem ben Amir. Now, maybe it's not for this Shia to talk about the disagreement or at least the different facets of what Mashiach's name represents or what it's going to be. The Veldagon says a very beautiful thing. That is, if you take the Rosh tables of all the Gemara's four suggestions, Menachem, Shiloi, Yinon, and Hezkiah, you get the word Mashiach. In other words, Mashiach will be a synthesis, a composite of all four titles. But I want to ask a question. Every name that Mashiach was given, it only talks about an individual, his name. Shiloh, Yunon, Ocheskia. why is the last opinion his name and his father's name? Menachem ben Amir. So we can see here the same Remus. Menachem ben Amir is also the Rosh a Mem, Beis, and Which means his job as Mashiach will also be to provide Klai Yisrael with those three things. A Melech to destroy Amalek and to build the base of Megdash. And we can finish off with one last beautiful insight. Just like we said, Shol was chosen as a Melech first as a descendant of Rachel to destroy Amalek and only afterwards came David Amalek who the Melech already belonged to. This is going to play out in the future as well. We know from many Chazals that first there is going to be a saviour, a leader, who is called Mashiach ben Yosef. A Mashiach bin Yosef's job is to wage the war of Hashem against the Moloch and his descendants. And only after that will come Sheikh bin David. And it's exactly the same idea. As long as the Malach is around, the kisser of Hashem can't be shalem. But there's the Melech who comes first. Whether it was Shol in the time of Tanakh or Mashiach ben Yosef in the time of the future. That's the first step, to have the Melech. The second is that he will be instructed to fight a Malek. And only afterwards will come the Melech who will be the one to build the base of Megdash. And then again, Kaisa will have all these three factors. The leadership, and protection and ability to receive the Shafa from Hashem from above, which are represented by the Man, the Nala covered, and the bear of Miriam.